Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. You know we're finally here, right? Where are we? It's Quizzy Deck on SENZ Word. It's Quizzy Deck on SENZ Word. It's Quizzy Deck on SENZ Word. It's Quizzy Deck, 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 Deck. Oh, you thought you did a Z and can't be. But the questions stress you out, yay. The quiz master is getting busy. But Uncle's Clues would give you gout. Think you can beat them, try your luck. Losing, they're gonna call you chump. TAB bonus bets, they're on us. TAB, 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 Quizzy Dag and TAB bonus bets. Don't ask Google all your sledges. It's Quizzy Dag. It's gonna give you gout. Quizzy Dag. It's gonna give you gout. Quizzy Dag. I love that. It's gonna gonna give you gout. Wow, the best line ever. I love it. I love it. Mark from Tauranga. Well, he won't get gout. He doesn't need anything bad. Come on, Marky. Morena to you. Morning, boys. How are you? Mate, you hooked into those. You hooked into those vitamin C's this morning. No, I've got watched all those, bro. I got a couple of the Musashi bars yesterday, and that's about it. <laughs> happy you wife, like. happy life, Marky. You know. You know what the like when a parcel arrives. Boys, they just go to the door and they're like, oh, a parcel. Oh, it's for, it's for him. I swear I'll open it anyway. <laughs> yeah. How, oh, that is my pet. Hey, come home. Why'd you open my parcel? I don't open your parcels. And you've opened the parcel and, oh, yeah, you know, you got these um, flowers delivered the other day from New Zealand Golf. I was like, oh, where's the letter? Oh, I put it in the bin. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The cheek of it. Anyway, Marky, good luck. Good luck. Happy Friday. Yeah, boys. And which year did Roger Wedder uh Red Roger Wedder? In <laughs> <laughs> what year did Roger Federer win his first Wimbledon title? Uh oh, it's not twenty-two. Two thousand and two. So close, Marky, so close, but wrong, my friend. Have a good weekend, brother. Appreciate your time this morning. Uh, we're going to go to Zade from Auckland. He'll know. Zadie, in which year did Roger Federer win his first Wimbledon title? Can I have a clue? Uh, Penrith played the Warriors a primary semi-final that year. Penrith played in the final. 2001? Oh, very close. Not 2001. Sorry, Zadie. Have a good day, brother. We're going to go to Tim from Christchurch. Morning, Tim. Told you it's hard. We're we're on a heater this morning. Tell me how are you? (laughs) You're on fire, Daggy. Good. 2003. 2003 is correct. Well done. Question number two. What was New Zealand heavyweight wrestling champion Jake the Dragonaut Sheehan's finishing move in the ring? Oh. Uh, yep, yeah. upside down, jump off the top of a ladder. <clears throat> uh, is it a pole? Oh, 
Sorry to me. Appreciate it. Have a good day, mate. We're going to go to Tony in the Apples. Morning, Tony. Morning, guys. How's it going? Oh, good. Oranges, oranges. Let's go body slam. Body slam. No good answer, but incorrect. Sorry, Tony. Have a good day, brother. John from Christchurch. Morning, John. G'day, how's it going, mate? Good, thank you. Told you it's hard. What was New Zealand heavyweight wrestling champion Jake Sheehan's finishing move in the ring? That's the dude we heard talking the other day. Is it the pole driver? Jumping pole driver. Yeah, yes. pay it. Pay it. Pay it. Standing pole driver. Boom. How good. Question number good. three. <laughs> Whose name comes after this iconic piece of NRL commentary? Oh, I can't even hear it, mate. <laughs> play, it again. play it again. Holy dooly! Oh, holy dooly. Uh, can I have a clue, Kimby? Yeah, it was between two Samoans at Mount Smart. <laughs> One of them was in the Roosters. Iconic. Now I'm going down. I'm out of here. <laughs> John! Oh, he's gone. Richie, up a hot morning. Morning. Holy Um, dooly. Holy dooly. Is that the old David Kidwell smashing Willie Mason? Oh. No. On the right path. On the right path. Not Richie. Sorry, mate. Ed from Tolaga. Morning, Ed. Hey, morning, brothers. I think my cousin's doing a triathlon this weekend. Is he? Okay, okay, Ed, on topic, mate. Holy dooly! Holy dooly! (laughs) Okay, um, yeah, um, holy, um, is that, um, Monty Beeson smashing somebody? No, not Monty. Sorry, Ed. Simon Auckland. G'day, boys. G'day, g'day. um, Holy dooly! Is it Ruben Wiki smashing Soliola? Yeah. That's the one. Yes. Holy dooly, Ruben Wiki. Ian Ferguson was the first Kiwi to win three gold medals at one Olympic Games. What sport did he compete in? Um, He was like canoeing. Correct. What team did NFL quarterback Russell Wilson play for before he moved to Denver Broncos? He was at the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, Payne! Seattle Seahawks! Simon! Bang, bang! Ash, ash! Nice, brother. Well done. Got there in the end. Kayaking. Canoeing. Same thing. Very clinical, Simon. Just swooped in, and you'll have a a little uh, trot in the back, no doubt, tonight at the park. Good man, Simon, and uh, well done to all our players. Good quiz. Holy dooly, Ruben Wicky! Oh, didn't that hurt? (laughs) Didn't that hurt? <laughs> hey, good bloke too, see? He took that oh, right on the chin and old Ruben. Yep. That's what happens when you try and tackle Ruben at 100 miles an hour. Iconic. It's habitual, isn't it? Early October rolls around and you just smell that rubber, hear those revs and see the mountain in all its glory. The Bathurst 1000 and Bat is back for another year and it's an emotional one for Holden and their hordes of fans as they say goodbye to the great race once and for all. As always, the competitive nature will be on show with chances across the paddock desperate to be crowned king of the mountain. Matty White is not just a gun host on SEN 
11.70 morning show. He's also everything Australian motorsport and loves this event as much as any bloke we know. Been calling it for 20 years in the past and he's on the line with us now. Morena, Matty. How you going, mate? G'day, guys. Good, good, good. You, you've captured it in a nutshell there, isn't it? I mean, it's just that time of the year. It's like final time in footy, yes. Yeah. You can sort of smell it in the air and then Bathurst comes around and you know that that's just around the corner. I don't reckon they ever have to attach a date to Bathurst, actually. They just say, you know when it's, you know when it's on, you can feel it. So just head up to the mountain and join us. I remember, I remember when I was playing over there, Matty, in the 90s, it was one of the most iconic events um, that, come on, that come on tally during the year, you know. What, what's the headline, the most important thing we need to know about if you're following Bathurst this year? Rain and truckloads of it. Um, it's going to be quite possibly the wettest Bathurst I, that I've I've seen. I mean, I've seen some beauties there. I, actually, guys, I've, I've quite literally been there when it's been sunny up the top and hailing in pit lane at the same time. So mm. it really does get weird weather at Bathurst, but there's an enormous around, amount of rain coming um, across New South Wales in particular. And I looked at the forecast in detail yesterday and, it's not just rain on Sunday, it's rain on Saturday. It'll be rainy there on Friday as well. Supercars have taken the extraordinary step of putting out some posts yesterday and some media yesterday to fans saying, you know, A, be careful because there's so many people that go up there and camp, etc. But um, also saying that we are scheduling everything to go ahead as per plan. But we're talking, we are talking bucket loads of rain. So that's going to be the key feature of this weekend, which is a pity. Um, for those that go there and love the pilgrimage, and it's a it's a tough ride when you're up there and it's pouring down, it's freezing. But when it comes to the race, if they get a clean crack at 161 laps, which they won't, it'll be disrupted somewhere along the way. But it'll add some extra spice, as we always say in motorsport: just add water and watch it go. And, and there's certainly uh, plenty coming. Yeah, that's crazy, Matty. Uh, it's, it seems like Sydney, in particular, has been uh, under siege with. That rainfall, like I know Royal Randwick has had a nightmare and, and they're racing again, but horse trainers haven't been able to put their horses through the preparations they want because of it. So now another sort yeah. of racing is going to be impacted. What does that do for the field? Are there wet weather drivers that come to the fore when you get um, technical tracks like this that get that much water? Yeah, there are. Look, as in every sport, you know, it's just like mud runners in, in horse racing. There's, there's those that prefer the wet or just, shine in the wet really and Shane Van Gisbergen's top of the tree I mean Giz is top of the tree on everything right so he, you chuck him into a into a garbage truck and he'll win it um, and he showed that in world rallies um, across the last week so but when it comes to wet weather racing Shane Van Gisbergen has always had it from the time that he came into the category as a youngster we knew that he had this extraordinary ability to drive a car very different to anyone else and then we started to see it in the wet weather so I go through when I'm looking at my form guide I go through a couple of things. You go through the fast teams, um, the experienced teams, and the driver pairings as well. But for this one, and I can get to that in just a sec, but for this one, you have to go to wet weather drivers and those teams too that don't mind um, trying to pin the tail on the donkey across the course of the weekend. And on all of those fronts, Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tand are pairing up in the in the Triple Eight Race Engineering, so the Red Bull Racing Commodore. On all of those fronts, they tick all the boxes. Experience, yes. Get the mountain, absolutely. Close to times when, when one driver steps out and the co-driver steps in, Garthander hasn't been out of the sport full-time for that long and he won't be too far off in terms of time. So tick there. 
and then throw in the wet weather, tick, 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 tick for Shane Van Gisbergen. So it's very rare, I reckon, when you can look at a Bathurst field and pull one driver pairing, one car out in particular, and say they've got to be the favourites. But especially with the weight of the, the wet weather that's coming, I now put Shane Van Gisbergen even even higher and because of all the other reasons as well with Garth. Oh, it sounds like you're back in Animo. Hey, um, the Commodores, just for anyone that can't understand why and where Holden is going, what's the context here? Well, Holden have checked out of Australian manufacturing already and the Commodore has stayed on in terms of racing. So, you know, Bathurst was built on the Ford v Holden rivalry, the blue versus the red. Mm. And for a while there, we sort of drifted off and we've seen all sorts of cars drive around Mount Panorama. But essentially, that's the vein, that's the DNA of the Supercars Championship or the Australian Touring Car Championship as we know it. And and this time around, it's the end of the Commodore. Um, so it's Commodore v Mustang for this weekend. The Mustang will be there next year, but Supercars are doing what they call Gen 3, so Generation 3 cars. Um, so a brand new suite of cars coming in next year, and it'll be the Chevy Camaro on the other side. So there'll essentially still be that us versus them, or red versus bluish, um, or blue versus reddish, I should say, battle. But this is the end of the Holden Commodore. Iconic up there at Mount Panorama, iconic in Australian motorsport, and iconic on our roads over here. So this is the last time that race fans get to see the Commodore blaring around Mount Panorama and taking it up to the Fords. And vice versa. So there's always a, guys, there's always a great story about Bathurst, you know, whether it's somebody's last race or it's an anniversary race, there's always something attached to Bathurst that just gives it that extra spark. And and this time around, unfortunately, the weather will be the headline act, but this time around, it is farewell to the Commodore. So for those rusted on um, Holden Commodore fans, there'll be a tear in the eye because they're so attached to this car and this, this manufacturer in Australia. So it is definitely the end of an era. Now, look, motorsport innovates and has had to move forward. And you look at Formula One and the way that the cars have changed drastically, and I'm sure every class has. But touring, uh, you know, like these touring car fans and the supercar fans, the diehards, at any point have they gone, oh, this is a step too far, the sport's changed too much to it doesn't look like what it looked like when I was growing up and when I was, you know, really a passionate fan? Have they just accepted the changes? There's a little bit of both, to be honest. I reckon that the undercurrent is why change it because it goes back through our history. And you're spot on. I mean, these are these are fans that grew up as fans of a certain brand of car, more than likely because that car was in their garage or their driveway, or their mum or their dad, or you know, uncle or grandfather was was supporting it. And that's how it's been throughout the years. So. You know, if you grew up and, and your family supported Holden, then good luck trying to support Ford and going up to the mountains. So that, that is part of part of this sport, no question about it. And the sport has got away from those roots where you you win on Sunday and you buy on Monday. I mean, the cars that they're racing about around Bathurst are nothing like the cars that you go out and purchase on a Monday morning. And and there's a realization and acceptance of around around that, you know, we've had to move on and we've had to continue to innovate. I think a lot of people would like supercars to stop tinkering with their cars. Um, there's so much focus on Generation 3. I mean, it makes it gives me an ice cream headache when I think about it. It's like talk, talking about tyre compounds. I mean, it's great for a race team, but not so great for, for the average punter. So 
You've got to keep moving, no question about that, but you've got to stay relevant as well. And let's face it, the one thing that, that gave relevance to this brand in particular was exactly that. You you had blue or red in your blood, and you normally have one of those cars sitting out the front of your house. For many reasons, those things have changed, but supercars got to make sure it doesn't go too far down the track where it loses that relevance. Either way, Bathurst is Bathurst, and it'll put on an enormous show and we'll get 161 crazy laps, and we'll all walk away on Sunday going, holy cow, that was amazing, and we'll be back again the next year. So you can tinker as much as you want behind closed doors and with the rule books and all that kind of stuff, but you've got to make sure that the fans know what they're, know what they're looking at and know what they're wanting to buy, um, and you, you don't let them drift away. Yeah, well, those fans are still wanting to buy those cars. You're bringing back some memories, the Walkinshaws, the Brocks, uh, I'm an ex, yeah. I'm actually an old XY Falcon man myself. I love that shape of car, um, and that takes me back to all these old veterans that'll be driving around up there on Mount Panorama. Do you do you, do you have anyone in mind that might be able to stand out that comes back from the old days uh, in this race, Matty? Well, well, I'll tell you one that um, that your listeners will love over there on SEN. Dead Murph's back. I mean, Murph's a multiple winner of this race, and he's going to be partnered up with Richie Stanaway in the number fifty-one. Holden, so I was lucky enough to call the great lap of the gods in 2003. Oh, so myself how and Neil good. Cox, that came out Holden. The, oh, mate, it was it was one memory. You know, I've, I've called a lot of things in my sporting um, commentary career, but that that day when Murph put that lap down was just extraordinary. And and I said, you know, in the commentary, he's rolled on car number 51, and he's gone straight to the top of the Bob Jane T Mark 1000. And Murph said to me one day. <laughs> Um, he said, mate, where did that call come from? And I said, buggered if I know, Murph. It just came out. But to me, that's what it looked like. It, it looked like he had – we all remember that Kmart Commodore, and I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. But <laughs> throughout the course of that weekend, he had a super fast car that just stuck to the road. Every time he went out there, I reckon he was only not fastest in one session leading up to that top 10 shootout. And it looked as though he had this car that was just ready to break free and just smash everybody else. We never knew at the time that it was going to be the fastest time around Mount Panorama, but that's what it looked like to me. It looked like that just everything was thrown off that car and Murph couldn't get his foot down hard enough because he knew the car would respond. So, you know, it's like having a horse that you just want to let go at the 600-metre mark because you know it's not going to get pinned down. It's a Winx kind of performance and... And that's what it was back then. So to see Murph back with Richie, the all Kiwi pairing, they'll get it. That's the thing. Richie will look across to Murph and say, okay, how do I get around this place and how do I master this place? And you don't win four Bathurst championships without knowing exactly what to do at Mount Panorama. So there's another little key when you're looking for your form guide. Look for drivers who understand what to do at the circuit. This is a place where you learn more than ever before when you've been there before and you've won there before. When you come back, you've got something that other people don't. So I'm looking forward to see the old time, old uh, time and get out there and have another crack. Hey, Matty, just before we let you go, you've obviously picked one and two. So we've got uh, Giz picking up the top <laughs> spot and Murph picking up second place. What about the Aussies, mate? Who's your top Who's your top pick for the, for the Aussies? Well, half Aussie, half Kiwi again. So Chaz Moss, <laughs> um, the defending champ, he's now got Fabian Coulthard alongside of him. So Fabs isn't driving full-time. I've been working with him on the Speed Series, and he's put in some pretty hard yards over the last couple of months in particular to make sure that he's he's going to be ready. So 
I'd be looking at Chaz and, and Fabian in the Walkinshaw Andretti United Commodore because, again, there's even though Fabs was upside down on that first lap many years ago and upside down a few times, um, he's, he's a driver there that understands it and experiences well. He won't be too far off Chaz's leading times as the main driver. So I'd be looking towards those guys. So what have I got? I've got three Kiwis at least up there on the podium at the moment. I'm going okay, aren't I? Why don't we just make it a New Zealand whitewash? Get them all up there. Stick, stick them all in a car together and give them one, two, three. And mate, I'll send you over some Lion Red so you don't have to give them a can of VB. Hey, thanks for joining <laughs> us this morning, Matty. Uh, bring, bring back some massive memories. I'm going to go back out, look at Trade Me, try and pick me up a Falcon XY this afternoon. Uh, you go well, mate, and thanks for joining us uh, this morning on ECNZ. No worries, guys. Thanks. We've seen and heard champions make history year in, year out on the biggest racing stages. These are the many stars of spring. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're going to talk stars of spring, what about for the better part of the century? You can't have the conversation without talking about the tangerine. Tiako have become a force in thoroughbred racing in New Zealand, Singapore and Australia, mastering the concept of racehorse syndication and constantly reinvesting in our bloodstock sales industry to find the next Darcy Brahma or Melody Bell. There's not a Group 1 race they haven't won, and if our head count is accurate... They'll line up 36 runners in New Zealand tomorrow alone across the two meetings. As before scratchings, of course, suggesting the spring and summer ahead might be another one painted tangerine. DC, David Ellis is the principal of Tiako, and he's with us on the line this morning. G'day, DC. How you doing? Really good, thanks, Louis. Great to have you on the show. It's business time when we roll the big guns out like yourself. It must be spring. What does it mean to you, springtime? Well, this spring's been a very frustrating time because of the wet tracks, and normally we are in a position where we can spread the horses out a bit more, but because of the cancellations and the very heavy tracks, uh, we've been forced to run a lot at Matamata tomorrow, which isn't ideal, but um, we've just got to get them to the races so they can be fit for for the group races coming up in November and December when we know the tracks will be firm. Hey, David, what about um, when you go and source and buy your horses at uh, Karaka Sales with NZB? Are you almost buying those horses that will ideally perform best on firm and good tracks at peak times of the year? Absolutely. I think that's a, a very fair assessment. Uh, most mm. of the good uh, races are, are run on good tracks. And I'd say within a week or 10 days, we'll have firm tracks in New Zealand too. We always do by the middle of October. Obviously, we have had a wet old winter for you, Dave. It's Izzy here. Appreciate you coming on the show. Has that changed your approach to to how you're looking after the horses, how you're really approaching their training, their schedules? Like it's, It's obviously, this is a constantly changing climate. Has that been a part of your focus? Yeah, it's been a very frustrating uh, six weeks. But uh, Mm. pretty much every spring we get wet tracks up until about now. Um, Mm. But um, the cancellation, normally we get good tracks at uh, Hawke's Bay. But they've had unseasonal rain down there. And that has been very frustrating. But we've certainly got a very nice team to race tomorrow at Matamata and a couple of good chances at Hawara.
We'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about those later on, DC. But um, just a, a question to you: How has uh, Tiako business been so sustainable, and in, in especially your winning and, and performance to boot? Uh, yeah, we've got um, over a lifetime. We've built up a really super group of owners uh, that support us and realise um, that we do the job uh, as well as we can, and they, they've become very supportive. And uh, it makes our job of buying the horses and putting partnerships together uh, a lot easier. All right, here's a question for you. It might be tough to answer, but who do you think the best horse is you've ever unleashed at the Hawke's Bay or Rickerton Carnivals through the years? There you go. I'd say Darcy Brahma for sure. There you go. Darcy Brahma. Bang, Easy bang. as that. Bang. And da- Dave, <laughs> Dave, just give give us a give us the like the background there and the context, because Darcy Brahma represents so much for your business, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a horse that we bought at the Yelling Sales for one point one million. He won group one races on both sides of the Tasman. He won one point three million dollars in prize money and we syndicated him at stud for ten million dollars. Yeah, and I, and I know that you love and you have loved going back for some of his um, progeny, right? Hey, hey, here's one for you. Do you suspect, Dave, that tomorrow you might have the 2,000 and 1,000 guineas winners lining up? Uh, well, we'll certainly be trying. We're going to have some really nice chances in both races. We've got uh, a very high-class filly called Stella Splendina um, oh, that yes. um, is in race five at Matamata. And, of course, the next race, we've got Dynastic and uh, Accidental Tourist in the Guineas. So, um, you know, we're going to have some nice horses to race come record, and that's for certain. ADC, hey, just a, a uh, just a tack right here. The New Zealand Thoroughbred and under Bruce Sherrick, have you seen the changes? Are you happy with what's going on there at the moment? Well, I think since Cameron George has taken over uh, the reins, I've seen a big... Um, improvement and I think they're doing a, a, a really top job and they've got some really good board members there now and they're listening and uh, I think it's going really well Yeah it is and there's a real positivity I know that it's one something you're very passionate about is staying positive about our industry here and promoting our own which is um, something that you do very well with Tiaka David. Now the forecast, you'll know better than us, you'll be on Weather Watch but it looks like Matamata is not going to get a uh, much more rain, if any rain at all, which is obviously very important for Imperatriz. She's back in. How hard to stop will she be? Well, I think if she handles the track, she'll be very, very hard to beat. Um, winter tracks, heavy tracks, come in all shapes and sizes. And because she won so well at Tirapa, uh, that's more of a sandy track, um, and a lot, a lot of horses handle that in the winter. But she does have the advantage of racing on a home track. She doesn't need to travel. And on Tuesday morning, Opie just said she worked absolutely in career-best form. So, DC, we're going to put something on tomorrow, and you got 36 of them for us to choose from. <laughs> What's your best one? What's your best one? Uh, the best one at Matamata, I'd say, is Stella Splendina, and at Harwara, Pris- Prismatic. 
Oh, prismatic. Because you got Sans yeah. Dute over there as well, don't you? Yep, we have. Mm. We've got prismatic in race one, and I'd say he'd probably be the best maidener in New Zealand. Wow, well, there you go. Hey, before we let you go, I know you're going to crack on. Busy, uh, going to run that big farm of yours, DC, but... Opie, he's, he looks like he's in some real good nick for this time of year. How proud are you of your um, champion jockey? Yeah, well, um, it's well known that I have a gym at Tiaki, our stud, and he's been down each day, and in an hour he's been doing 10 and 11 kilometres uphill, and he's really in the zone. Uh, I've never seen him so charged. And, uh, well, he's got 12 rides tomorrow. I don't think he's had that since... Um, he was a teenager riding in Singapore. Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? And he wants to win that premiership. He's been quite open about that. Um, and I, look, I think if he's hanging in there, you know, if he can get, get a little gap on them out of summer, he might be hard to run down. Dave, great to have you on the show. All the best for a massive weekend for you guys and a spring ahead. Thanks, Louis. Cheers, boys. There you go. Cheers, Dave. Man, sustained success, almost unparalleled, to be honest. Darcy Brahma. Mate, it was good to get the numbers. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. At the time, 1.1 million. It was 2004, I reckon, 2003, and it was it was big and it was it seriously changed the industry because it kickstarted Tiako, it kickstarted Dave Ellis's um what they do and year and year they go back and try to find the next Darcy Brahma and it really was shaping for the thoroughbred industry. So there you go. Speaking of stars of the spring, can't go past them. And tomorrow, Prismatic, best maidener in the country. Lock that one in your punting vault. Oh, how good. It's got goosebumps. Wayne Smith, the professor, has been tinkering away. He's not he's had he's not had long, but I know personally what impact that man can have on a squad. Yesterday's team naming saw an exciting mix of fresh faces and energy coupled with experience and strength. Pip Love has been a pillar of the front row for several years now and she's named at Lucid for tomorrow's clash. Morena to you, Pip. How you doing? I'm good, thanks, Izzy. How are you? Oh, very good, very good. I'm excited, I'm pumped, I'm fizzed. What's the energy like in camp, Pip? Um, it's definitely probably all those words you just described. Um, it's been building all week and we just had our last um, training um, yesterday and you would know the Thursday trainings are pretty hard. <laughs> we do scenarios and it's like playing a test match or even harder. So once we got that out of the way, um, the excitement levels last night started to go through the roof. But... Um, We'll probably have a chill-out day today and captain's run and just try keep a lid on it and then slowly build to um, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. But, yeah, we're, we're really excited and pumped. Yeah, can't wait. Hey, what are some of the key messages the coaching staff are getting to you guys and uh, how do you keep calm and focused during a World Cup? Um, I guess for us, what we're focusing on, we're like such a new group to the World Cup is there's less than 10 of us that have been to World Cup. I mean, I've been around for a while, but I missed out on the World Cup due to injury. So um, even I haven't been to a World Cup. So we're just leaning on those players like Kendra and Gossie. And, you know, they've been going through some um, some of their ways that they cope with pressure and um, how to how to manage that. And, um, you know, it's pretty exciting. We're just looking at it, um, I guess, as walking towards pressure and, you know, having the privilege of having pressure and having a World Cup in your own country and, you know, everyone's really excited for you and they see you and they recognise you in the street and, you know, 80% of that crowd on Saturday, which is almost sold out, um, you know, they're going to be backing us. So we're just taking that on board and really um, enjoying that. Oh, man, I, I, like, honestly, it's it's just... 
I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it. I remember back to 2011 and just bringing back the memories of playing in the home. You're very, very lucky to be able to represent your country, but even better mm. to have a home World Cup. For you, Pip, for you, Pip, how have you found Chrono? Chrono's influence on, on the team, particularly in the Ford pack, has, what's his message? He's pretty demanding. Look, not that I was in those malls or any net, anywhere near a ruck or, or a line out, <laughs> but how's he been for you and, and the Ford pack? Um, I think it's been um, really great for us. Uh, one of the things that I think Chrono does really well is um, he can say it straight and he tells you exactly what you need to know and what you need to get better at, but he's so positive as well and he's really good at building you up as a player. And, you know, we have such a young um, prop or like front row or even type five really. We have such young um, talent there and he's done really well at um, kind of growing them and developing them and, making sure that, you know, obviously they have things that, or as we all do as players, things that we need to work on, but he's really good at, like, building them up and making them feel confident and, like, believing in their abilities. So I think that's one of his best skills that he brings. And, you know, sometimes he, yeah, some of his comments, <laughs> you know, you wonder where he gets his dad jokes from, but um, <laughs> we just roll with that and love it. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, we, we laugh, Pip, because we've, we, we know exactly what you're talking about when coaches are giving it to players. Hey, look, um, there's been some some change and, you know, you've got Wayne Smith and, and Ted in there and they've worked pretty hard with you guys over the last few months with the changes. How how close are you guys to becoming the, the finished product and do you think you have the team to go out there and win the World Cup? Oh, I definitely think we have the team to go out there and win the World Cup, absolutely. Um, I haven't even thought twice about it, but, um, yeah, I definitely... We continue to grow and be challenged by um, Smithy and um, the other coaches, which is really exciting. Um, yeah. And I guess I think um, we've come a long way since um, even when we started playing um, in Pack Four under the new kind of the new style we're playing. Um, we haven't got everything perfect yet, but um, we're not winning the World Cup final um, tomorrow. So um, yeah. we're just going to keep building and keep continuing to get better at what we want to do and play on top and play fast games create a blur um so yeah Ooh. we're definitely making strides but we're not quite where we want to be yet yeah, what, what, what are some of the aspects for you pip obviously you were talking we're hearing um comments talking about the unstructured play we want to play a fast style so what does that look like for a for a forward pack for a, for a, a prop like yourself you've still got to know your core roles which is the scrum the lineup because let's be honest without that you can't win win anything so how does the the game style suit the front rowers and, and a forward pack like yourself i guess for us yeah just the fast paceness of the game is was something to get used to um a little bit more unstructured but we just had to you know um learn how to read the different forwards and our other players and um look to keep that ball aligned and just alive and just change the way we run our support lines um so i think that was the biggest learning for me and the biggest change, um, and I think that's probably probably accurate for most of the forwards. It's it's about knowing knowing who's going to carry, who's going to offload um, the lines to run and support um, when to when to clean out the ruck, and yeah, just I guess thinking a couple of steps ahead. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Hey, Pip, we you know. I'll... I often uh, go back to when I played in World Cups and you sit there and you're looking in the mirror and you're, you're thinking about the bloke that you're playing against um, on the day. Whereabouts, 
you know, you become really judgy like on your form against their form. Whereabouts do you put yourself? Like, have you sort of measured where you are up against the the likes of the French front rowers and the English front rowers? Are you really confident going up against them? Um, I think my biggest thing that I always try and focus on is myself and my game. Um, mm. I've only really played the English and the French a few times, so I'm probably lucky in that respect that I obviously respect the other um, team and um, have played them a few times, but, you know, I haven't known them for eight years or anything like that. So I only really know a little bit about each of those props. So um, I tend to just focus on myself and what I need to do, go out there. And um, so it doesn't really affect me too much. And I think that's the way I like to keep it, not strengths and then just focus on what I need to do. And that helps me keep confident, really. Beautiful, Pip. Beautiful. Hey, I'm just going to share a little story. I want to, have you ever thought about what you're going to do the night before the game? I'm going to share the story. So the night before the game, 2011 World Cup, I'm in the hotel, I've got my shirt off, and I'm in front of the mirror, and I'm doing the haka, and I'm practicing the haka, going handy in my room. I look over, and Tony Woodcock's sitting there, and he's looking at me going, are you all right? You know, an outside back just being an absolute pretty boy in the mirror. <laughs> Is there going to be anyone like that in the team that you're going to look across and go, what are you doing? Someone that's just going to lose the plot? Because <laughs> that was me. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to proceed, you know. Yeah, sometimes she loses the plot and I'm like, what are you on? She's one of my best friends. Sometimes I feel like she's on another level. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Um, Awesome, awesome. Hey, look, uh, Pip, we're going to let you go. We no doubt you'll be busy. You've got promos today. The hype is building in Auckland, and we are so fizz here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast to see what unfolds tomorrow night and going forward. The whole nation is right behind you and the girls. Go and do us well and uh, represent us with so much pride. Pip, and just quickly before I let you go, um, I don't want to make you sad, but you've, you've obviously um, got a lot to play for. Um, your mum will be watching down on you with so much pride and, and she'll be so proud of you right now. So go out there and, and uh, make every post a winner. All the best, Pip. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll see you there. Awesome. See you there. She was Pip. great. She was honestly... So good. So good. Front row. You know she played that final with a broken finger? Yeah, for Canterbury. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tough. Yeah. yeah. Tough. And I wanted to ask that question about the front rowers too because it's a World Cup, mate, and you're right in the you're right at the crunch of it. I bet you she can't wait to get her head buried in that middle of that ruck, mate. Get in there. Yeah, she's on. she's one of the greats. She's one of the greats. She um yeah, she's such a champion. And uh mate, she was very detailed, you know, like she she understood her role. I love that detail she brought about. When you're playing a, a high speed game, it's foreign for front rowers. You know, it's something different. You're like, wow, how do we get involved? But you saw the evolution of, of the All Blacks over the last couple of years when they've been trying to play a fast brand of game. Fords and the big big numbers or the big you know, the big bodies, they've got to set early. They've got to set early. They've got to get into position. And it's difficult for these, these big girls, but they've got to think ahead and they've got to think, okay, this is where my team needs me to be. And she just was so detailed and, was under, and she understood her exact role. I loved it. Yeah, you're right, Izzy. Uh, tell me if I'm off the mark here, guys, but you're so right, and I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, she's answered this question, do you have the team to win the World Cup? I haven't even thought about it twice. Of course we do. She's honest. She's raw. She's passionate. She's excited. 
A Rugby World Cup starts tomorrow. We talk about equality and equity in sport. We talk about giving these women the same opportunities we give the men. Mm. Now, does that not go the other way when we talk about access to these players and promoting the sport and promoting the game? This is a day before the Home World Cup. Could you ever imagine a starting All Black coming on the show and talking that honestly nah. the day? Could you ever, ever, ever imagine the keys being given access to an All Black in that position, is he? Nah. No, no way. We've had a couple before the game, but they haven't been planned. And it's always so been like never that. Had, so we have started. Yeah, look, it's does it's, it go I'll back the other way? Do you know what I mean? Hundred percent. Oh, look, nah. I, look, I think it, it needs to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It needs to, Kimpy. Yeah, look, it I needs th- to, but it doesn't. Yeah, I know, and I and I think um, that's where we need to evolve and around these media managers and these CEOs to make sure that um, you know part of branding and part of playing football is that you do talk to the media right up until, like if you look at the state of origin, they're shoving a, a microphone in front of Brad Fittler's face 20 minutes into a game. Uh, and you, that's how you grow the game. What Pip's just done there yeah. is how you grow the game. And 100%. It's, and it's their duty because they are promoting women's sport, women's rugby in this country with this World Cup, which has a duty. Like you're not just, and you always talk about paying it forward, Izzy, and you know, you're a, you're a caretaker of the jersey. Well, you you owe it to the jersey to promote the sport. And uh, you, you know, I had a rant on this about a month yeah. ago, Louis. I said it's 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 horrible that a past player that struggles to get access to a team he's, he loves and he wants to promote and wants to help. Like it's not a good look when the black uh with the black cats win, they come on. When the black cats lose, they come on. Mm. When the white ferns win, they come on. When the white ferns lose, they come on. Like they're just so much more accessible. Mm. And then when our beloved All Blacks don't, it's like, oh, man, it irritates me. It frustrates me, Louis. And it I really does. I, and I, I don't want to make it a negative gripe about the All Blacks. I'm more just shining light on how proactive Libby, uh, Libby at Boggs and the, the Black Ferns, they're always so happy and want to promote them because they know, they understand their duty to get young women and young kids. That's their role. It's their role. That's Pay their it role. forward. They, you, get, you get people in, in both codes that me and Izzy support. They're not media managers, they're prevention managers. You know what I mean? And they've got to stop doing that. Get get current. Get so current. Apparently every single Black Ferns player is available to media today. Oh, that's see, that's fantastic. A day out how from good. the a day out from the start of the World Cup. No, oh, it's sensational. How good. And that's how you pay it forward. Well done. Show the Black Ferns. Get up the Black Come Ferns. on. Come on. Come on, ladies. Yeah. Yes. How good, Kimby. Very good. Yes, ladies. Eighteen how minutes good. past eight. This morning, Izzy, you're a great ruck inspector, but an even more awesome fullback, bro. Used to love watching you play, cuz that's from Gaza. <laughs> oh, cheers, Gaza. I was a very good ruck inspector, mate. You never, you're no good. At, you're no good to me if you're stuck in the ruck, Dad. Get out. Okay, okay, coach. Sweet is. <laughs> I did never want to go near near those anyway, mate. I was pulling. I'd take pull my jersey off, mate, to get out of it. Inspector, Inspector yeah. Gadget, Inspector Ruck. <laughs> yeah. You know when someone's standing over the ruck and the opposition's looking at you, and you do the old dummy, the dummy flip, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, you're lucky." And then you run, then you run off laughing, and they just laugh at you. That's what that was me. I was like, "Yeah, watch out." Yeah. Suck a fair to Mama Teddy. That's so true. It's the flinch. It's like, you don't yeah. know. You'll never tell. You'll yeah. never be able to tell me I wouldn't have just cleaned and, you out. And, yeah. and then you're like, yeah, yeah, you lucky boy. Run off. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto, don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.